And we are back with another episode of the Starter Allowance Podcast. My name is Andrew Grismore. I am your host, and this is the September 15th edition of the show. Don't forget, if you want to hear more, if you like these conversations, don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast so that you can get the latest notifications when we release our episodes. Now, on that note, I do apologize for not having a full-blown Kentucky Derby episode, but I was featured on the Stewcast, so shout out Stu, on our Around the Horn, Around the Turnstile conversation with Craig Milkowski. We played a little bit of that Around the Horn, and I mentioned... And unfortunately, it came true that 2020 simply couldn't deliver us what we all wanted to see in that Tis the Law Kentucky Derby victory. Well, maybe a victory that we all wanted to see except for the 5,000 or so shareholders of Authentic who was able to take it down. I think you also have to include in that conversation the man who just simply knows how to get it done in the Kentucky Derby, Bob Baffert. He does it again. But I think that's a perfect lead-in to the conversation that we're going to have today, which is about horse racing ownership and that side of the game. So we love to talk our handicapping, but something that is near and dear to my heart, as I mentioned in previous episodes, is ownership. And I think we're forced to have the conversation right now because of all the controversy, if you want to call it that, the flack that a lot of the My Racehorse shareholders are getting on Twitter and other social media for saying exactly what they've done. They've bought a piece and are part owners of the Kentucky Derby winner. And that being said, we actually have a special guest on with us this week, and that is at Sarah Horse Girl on Twitter, who is one of the more vocal, on Twitter at least, owners of Authentic. So she has a share of Authentic with My Racehorse, and we're going to talk about her experience with that. So big thanks to Sarah for coming on. But before we do get into that conversation, I want to make the point that I don't think that the My Racehorse shareholders deserve the flack and the negative attention that they've been getting on social media. And there's one big reason as to why I don't think that these people deserve any criticism, and that is the model that My Racehorse uses. The thing about that model is that it's the exact same model that many of the very large, very well-established, very well-respected partnerships use when it comes to how they distribute their horses. The only difference is the level of the shares. My racehorse does micro shares. The bigger syndicates do bigger chunks, maybe 5% or 10% of the horse. But how can you fault someone who wants to take their fandom to the next level and become a part owner of a racehorse as a part of a syndicate just like many of the bigger players do who are very well respected. I can't blame them at all. There is an issue though, and that issue is much broader than anything that my racehorse is doing. And to me, that issue is how these syndicates, these partnerships are set up in the first place. And this goes from micro shares all the way up to the very top partnerships. 
So let's break down this model that many of these partnerships do. Of course, there are exceptions and I've talked about them on the show, but let's just straight up break down this model in as simple terms as possible. What they do is they go out to sales, let's say the yearling sale or a two-year-old sale, or maybe even they go out and take a look at made horses like Authentic so that they could buy into them. And then what they do is they mark up the purchase price of the horse and then sell off shares to the potential partners. They make it available to the general public. So with as simple an example as possible, let's say partnership XYZ goes to the sale. They purchase a $100,000 yearling. They mark it up 40% and they make it available to their partners where once you add up all of the shares together, it comes out to $140,000. Hopefully, you can already start to notice what's wrong here because if a partnership marks up their horses 40% and then makes them available to their partners, they have an incentive to pay more for the initial purchase price of the horse because if they were to buy a $200,000 horse and mark it up 40%, now they get to sell that $200,000 horse with all the same effort that it took to get a $100,000 horse for 280,000 as they added up to their partners and they get to pocket another 40 grand simply by paying $100,000 more for the horse. And hopefully that brings up some questions of, well, how do we know that these partnerships are paying the correct dollar amount for the horses that they're buying versus how they mark them up and then make them available to their partnerships? From my perspective, there's absolutely no reason to go for value from the perspective of any of these syndicates. Why would they want to pay less for a particular horse if they could pay more and get more money up front based off of the purchase price of the initial offering? It just doesn't make any sense. What we need is some kind of fiduciary responsibility coming from our syndicate runners where they guarantee that they're going for value and looking out for the best interest of the partners that are going to be joining that syndicate. Otherwise, you get absolute wildfire. You get the prices of these yearlings becoming very exclusive to only the very top players because the people who are bidding on the horses are not the ones who are actually paying for it. The load of that is being shouldered to other people, maybe smaller chunks of that offering. And that's where the problem lies, because now you start affecting the ability for the mid-level people in the sport who keep this thing running from being able to have access to the mid to high tier level horses that are offered in the sales because they're being outbid by people who aren't even actually paying for it. They're just getting money by bringing the prices of the horses up overall. It is a model that is absolutely broken but something that you can't put on the people in my racehorse because it is the model that is very widely used. This model relies on the fact that there is a general low understanding of what horses are actually worth and what they should be purchased for, a low level of transparency into the financial dealings of what goes into the purchase of these horses, and the mindset of 
buying into one of these partnerships being a purely losing venture, which in my humble opinion absolutely should not be the case. All of that being said, the common ground that we can find is that what we're looking for in horse ownership is the thrill and the joy and the responsibility that we have to our beautiful animals that go out there and give it their all for us on the track. If we want this sport to be something that's viable long term, then we have to get rid of the systems that have been set up so that it benefits those who are at the top of the game and make it so that we can actually all have the chance to participate. That's how this sport is going to continue. I want more owners. Bring on the micro shares. But please, we should not be paying upfront fees, upfront markups to become a part of these partnerships. That is the barrier to entry because it brings the prices of the horses up overall. If we can get rid of those and focus on what happens once the horse actually starts earning money, then we have a viable path forward. But I think we can find that common ground, and that's why I had Sarah on the show. So without any further ado, I want to hear about her experience and what it's like to be an owner of the Kentucky Derby winner. So let's go ahead and hear from her, and I'll catch you guys right after. Hey everybody, this is Stu from the StuCast, inviting you to come join me every week as I interview exciting guests and folks you may not have heard of as we delve into all different aspects of sports. Come check us out at StuCast Sports on Twitter. Wherever you get your podcast from, we're there. Thank you, and back to the show. All right, and we're going to welcome to the show a special guest today and someone who I've been wanting to get on because everybody's talking about my racehorse ownership on Twitter, talking about the ins and outs and what it means. So I took a look around and in searching some some of the comments, some of the uh, experiences people had, I found at Sarah Horse Girl on Twitter and she agreed to come on and talk, which I very much appreciate. So a My Racehorse shareholder in multiple different partnerships and authentic the Kentucky Derby winner. Sarah, welcome on. Thank you so much for being here. Happy to be here. So as we get into the conversation, first and foremost, I just want to hear your story. So how did you get into horse racing and how did you find My Racehorse and getting into the ownership side? My love for horse racing started when California Chrome started his racing career. I started watching, and that just grew my passion for racing. And I love, I always had wondered what it would feel like, you know, to be a racehorse owner. I followed the passion, and then one day uh, I fell in laneway from my racehorse. He caught my attention. I just couldn't get my mind off. I was like, all right, I'm going for it. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I feel the, the same way. Like I always tell people who come on when I first went to Gulfstream and I, I'm relatively new to it as well, right about the same time, actually, California Chrome, because it was probably just a year or two before that when Constitution started running. 
And that was down at Gulfstream. And, and that's where I go to the races and fell in love with the sport. So I always knew one day, like I wanted to have an ownership or at least a partnership with some people and, and be on the other side of the races. So I totally understand the sentiment. And it was, it was right around that same time. So we got into it pretty similar uh, time period. That is cool. Yeah. So, so how did you find my racehorse? Was it someone told you about it? Cause that's what happened to me. Someone told me about it and you could have these tiny shares. I was like, that's interesting. I got to check it out at least a little bit. And I think it was when they were offering like uh, big Mel and uh, American heiress, but how did you find them? I found them on Twitter and some of my friends were with them already. And yeah, I found them on Twitter and I was like, oh, yes, I got to join them. Awesome. So so you got, so did you get into laneway first then? Yes, I got laneway first. And then uh, the four fillies. Mm-hmm. And then more mischief and then last one authentic. Got it. Got it. So, so what is it like to be a shareholder with my racehorse what does it mean to you what do you get out of the experience and why do you like it so much because when i looked on twitter you were talking about how you do love being a part of it you told me before we got this conversation that you love being a part of my racehorse so so tell me like what is it like to be in a, uh, one of the micro share owners and what what do you get out of it there's a lot of fun uh, we get <clears throat> we get a lot of updates. They send us a lot of videos, a lot of pictures, updates. You get to enjoy enjoy this together <clears throat> with my friends, and uh, we get winners circle photos. We get paddock pass lottery. Like we um, if we're at the track, and our horse wins, we are in in the winner circle with our horse. Mm-hmm. It you know some of this is hard to explain because it brings it brings so much joy like you become a family mm-hmm. and it it I love it just enjoying watching our horse together. It, I'm I'm actually speechless <laughs> a little because authentic. <laughs> yeah, I mean at a at a. At a relatively low entry point, considering how expensive horse ownership can be, it allows you to gain access to that other side, right? It allows you to put yourself on the other side of the fence. And now, I mean, it may be a lottery, but you have at least a chance to get into the paddock, right? You have a, a, the ability to go into the winner's circle if you win. You get all the updates. And I'm totally with you. For me, the the horses that I have a piece of in my partnership and the the weanling and the mare that I own they bring me so much joy I I can go I could go to Ocala and I can visit them because I'm in Orlando and I can see my baby grow up and I can see the the horse that I have a partnership when she runs it's just it makes you so happy and you get to be a part of that community uh, I know at the very least that my racehorse does Facebook groups for some of the partnerships. Are you in, involved in those as well? Yes, I'm involved in all of them. All seven racehorses I bought shares into, I'm in all Facebook groups. Yeah, and you, you get yeah. that really strong sense of community, right? Because from what I've seen, the Facebook groups are fairly active, wouldn't you say? Oh, yes. 
<laughs> and I, I love it. You, you know, you communicate with authentic or layman owners across the world hmm. and you know, you make new friends and I love it. Yeah, no, I, I totally get. It. So what did it feel like when authentic won the Derby and when did you buy into him? Cause I know they offered shares before the Haskell. And then they, they continued to offer those shares after he won that race going into the Derby. When did you buy into him? Uh, I got to check back. It's not long ago on that, but I was speechless. Like I watched in the Kentucky Derby and I was like, whoa, that's my horse. <laughs> yeah. Winning the Kentucky Derby. And I'm still, I'm still speechless about that. Like, I can't believe it. Like I, I used to wonder, what does it feel like? to own a Kentucky Derby contender and then he runs in the runs in the race and is like you know whoa really yeah. I own a I own a Kentucky Derby winner it's a dream come true and I'm I'm just so glad that I I joined my racehorse that I bought into authentic I have seven right now as I mentioned and I with time I'm planning to buy into more with my racehorse. Yeah, so I, I know that they were at the yearling sale at Phasic Tipton. It looks like they got a couple of really nice horses at the sale yes. there. Uh, I'm sure they'll get more as we go into uh, the Keeneland sale. But uh, yeah, I mean, it looks like they're expanding. It looks like they're going to have more offerings. So uh, I can definitely see the appeal and... Uh, the joy that you get out of it. Cause I experienced something similar with the, the horses that I'm a part of. So that totally makes sense. So uh, as far as uh, the financials go, because that's what a lot of people are saying, you know, it doesn't make sense. You know, there are a lot of things to consider, especially about authentic, but uh, I mean, we'll, we'll put him aside and just talk to the financials in general. My racehorse is fairly clear and that in their partnerships that they create, uh, there's pretty high markup. There are management fees that you have to pay, and they lay it out. You know, they say if you're buying a hundred dollar share of X horse, you know, maybe fifty to sixty dollars actually goes to the ownership, and then some of it goes to fees and expenses, and then uh, you know, a good chunk of that goes to um, the management fees and so forth. But you know. That, that makes sense, at least as far as the ability to put out those micro shares. You know, there's probably going to be a markup. That's how most partnerships do it all the way up to the top. So it's not like that's something unprecedented. But uh, do, you, do you do this and expect any kind of financial return on your ownership shares? Or is it more of uh, just the experience? This is more for the joy and the experience. I, I became a resource owner because of my love for horse racing or horses. Like, it's not important to me how much I make. That's not the most important thing to me. Yeah. So, so when you, so when you buy a hundred dollar or the $200 share or whatever, and let's say for authentic, cause that's what everybody's talking about. You know, you may not get a single dollar back from your $200 share until maybe two or three years from now, once all those kickers have been paid for winning the Derby, he's had, you know, 
some time at stud where he's had a couple of successful crops of babies and he's continuing to have a large book of mares. You may not, you may not get a dollar back until then. And they did lay that out, right? They put that in the contract. It's mm-hmm. there in the, in the print. Um, but you can still say, Hey, I had a piece of the, the Derby winner. Do you, so is, it seems like every, a lot of people are up in arms about the fact that you may not get any type of payout or any financial compensation for your $200 share until a couple of years from now. And even then it may be small, but you're okay with that, right? Cause it was more for, for the experience than anything else. Yeah. So, so, and I think that that makes a lot of sense. And I think that the vast majority of the, the my race horse shareholders would agree with you on that. But that leads me to my next question. And I think it's a, a question that you kind of have to ask yourself, especially since I know that there are people that do this. Now, do you, do you think that it makes sense to have more than one share of a My Racehorse offering? Like, do, do you think that you would get any more joy out of having, you know, five shares of Authentic for $1,000 versus the joy that you get for having one, I don't know how many shares you have. So uh, you can say, or you cannot say, it doesn't matter to me, but do you think it makes sense to have five or to have one if you're not really expecting that financial recoup of the money or making money in any case? Well, to me, it doesn't really matter how many shares I have, mm-hmm. but for someone who, who would like, well, if you buy more shares, you're going to get more back. Right. So for someone that w- would want more, yeah, they, you know, that's up to them. But like to me, it doesn't really, doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Because once you're in, you're in, right? Once you have that share, you can say, hey, I'm a part of this community. They don't reject you from the Facebook group if you have one share or if you have 20, right? You still get to no. be... You get all the perks, everything that happens, you get with a single share and you're good to go. So it's not like, and, and there's nobody out there that's bragging, hey, I have 20 shares, I have more than you, ha ha, like any, any of that, it seems like it, it just, it, it doesn't make sense as a part of the structure of it. And so sure, you can have the 20 shares, but if you have 20 shares of authentic, let's say, you know, maybe you will recoup $100 per share that you that you purchased by 2025 if he has a successful stud career. But I don't think most people would see that as like a, a solid way to go about investing their time or money because you could have the same enjoyment with a single share. And, and that's kind of how I look at it as well. So, I mean, there, there's nothing saying that you can't get more shares than that. But let me ask you this question. Let's say, um, you know, someone is looking to take their ownership to the next level. Let's say they own a share in Authentic, they own a share in, let's say, two or three other My Racehorse uh, offerings, and they say, this is amazing. I love it, but, you know, I don't want to have to compete against 4,000 other people to get the paddock lottery, or I want to have more of a financial stake in what's going on here. Let's say maybe I want to have, instead of 0.01% of a horse, I want to have um, 5% or 10% or 15 to 20, something like that, and get involved in a higher level of partnership. 
Um, sure, you could buy, I think it was like 1% of authentic would have been $200,000, which I think is um, <laughs> a little bit infeasible for most people. Do you, do you think that my racehorse is the way to go? Or do you, would you say to look at some other partnerships at that point? They go. Um, I would stay with my racehorse. I, I've been like before I joined my racehorse. I was with uh, other racing clubs, mm-hmm. and and how they worked is you know, only you're with them for one year and then you renew every year. And uh, from with everyone I've been with, I like my racehorse the best. They're my favorite. Got it. Understood. I mean, yeah. So just as an example, like uh, the partnership that I'm in, uh, it's Iron Horse Racing. And for us, we get to, um, the offerings are 5%. So when you get into it, you have to have at least 5% of the horse. So I would just consider these kinds of partnerships the next level. And the thing that I like about Iron Horse is that financially, um, it makes a lot of sense because you're not paying the the upfront markup. There's there's no markup at all. In fact, you only have to worry about uh, the managing partner getting paid if your horse actually wins on the track. So or earns purse money, I should say. So uh, for example, the the horse that I have is my background behind me, Jade Empress. She is a a, a filly that we bought as a two year old this March. I got to go to the sale. I got to be a part of that whole experience, luckily, right before COVID hit. And, um, uh, you know, we go to the sale. We bought her for $105,000, I think it was. And then the partners, as we cut up those chunks and percentages, they literally pay exactly what we paid at the sale. And then the only way that, that Iron Horse actually gets any money from being the managing partner of her is when she gets the track and uh, earns some purse money, which thankfully she did at Saratoga. She came in second place in her race when she started. Uh, So that was really exciting. But I think that I would just consider that maybe the next level. And I would encourage some people to think about that as another option. But I totally understand your, your love for my racehorse. It's it's exactly what I think a lot of people need, which is breaking down those barriers to becoming an, an owner. And like you said, you know, maybe some other places left a bad taste in your mouth or it just wasn't what you're, you were looking for as a part of the ownership experience. And now you get to be a part of that top level of racing uh, with my racehorse. And it's definitely an option that's out there. Well, uh, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. It's really, really cool to be able to talk to some people that are owners because I don't know any myself of Authentic and some of the other My Racehorse offerings. So I am super happy for you. I love that you're getting all the joy and excitement out of it because at the end of the day, money aside, that's what this is all about, right? Is bringing people together, having fun, having the experience and being able to say that you're on the other side of the fence. You're, you're a part of that ownership group and I want more owners in this game so that it can continue to go on into the future and we can enjoy this for a long time to come. So I think at the end of the day, we're all on the same page when it comes to that. I hope you agree. Yes. Yes, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you. I uh, wish you the best of luck as you go forward and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Of course. And there you have it. 
First off, I just want to say big shout out to Sarah Horse Girl for coming on the show. You know, amidst all the criticism, it's not easy to come out and uh, speak out what you enjoy and what you believe in. So thanks to her for being on. But I do want you guys to definitely consider everything that we talked about here and the implications and my opinion on the entire matter. I plan on talking to owners across different partnerships as we go forward and what their philosophies are and and how they see the game of horse racing from the ownership side. So hopefully we can bring you their perspective as well as mine going forward as my little weanling grows into a yearling and uh, my Jade Empress partnership with Iron Horse goes forward. I can't wait to see what all unfolds and I will talk to you all next week. See you soon.